0: Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com forward slash sober mom for 25% off. All right, you guys, I am
1: currently struggling with a pinched nerve in my neck. And if you have ever had one, you know the pain. So I am feeling super thankful for today's sponsor, Tanasi. Tanasi's CBD CBDA is two times better than CBD alone and better than over the counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. It helps soothe and relieve my aches and pains, like my pinched nerve, and it's great for sleep and anxiety, so I put it on right before bed. Tanasi was discovered by a team of chemists and biologists at Middle Tennessee State University, and 5% of all revenue is given back to the university partner for ongoing research. It is THC-free and comes in a range of products. I love the topicals, but you can also choose from soft gels, gummies, and tinctures. Satisfaction is guaranteed. Try Tanasi for 30 days, and if you don't love it, you get a full refund. Go to Tanasi.com and use code MOM to get 25% off at checkout. That's T-A-N-A-S-I.com to get 25% off your first order with promo code MOM. Hi, welcome to the Sober Mom Life Podcast. I'm your host, Suzanne, of My Kind of Sweet and The Sober Mom Life on Instagram. If you are a mama who has questioned your relationship with alcohol at times, if you're wondering if maybe it's making motherhood harder, this is for you. I will be having candid, honest, funny conversations with other moms who have also thought, hmm, maybe motherhood is better without alcohol is it possible? We'll chat and we'll talk about all things sobriety and how we've found freedom in sobriety. I don't consider myself an alcoholic. You don't have to either. And Maybe life is brighter without alcohol. I hope you will join us on this journey and I'm so excited to get started. Okay guys, we're here with Shay and her little pup. Stop.
2: So cute. Is it a boy or a girl? This one's a girl. This is Missy. Oh my god. Little mini golden doodle. Oh. Yeah.
1: So cute. We have a medium Australian labradoodle puppy and she's I love her now, but it took about 7 months for me to love her. They need the training, but once they're trained, yeah. I feel like the doodle breed
2: is just I know. That's my favorite.
1: Like now she's great and I feel like she's so smart, like no accidents inside, like that's what yeah, but for, it took a while. <laughs> yeah. Well,
2: hi Shay, I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for having me. It's so nice to see you and get to talk to you I today. Me too.
1: I see you all the time on Instagram, but it's nice to actually talk.
2: I know. It's fun to actually get a connect, like, you know, face-to-face sort of. (laughs) Yeah, kind of meet in real life, kind of. Yeah. Okay, so why don't we just start?
1: Just tell us about yourself, and then let's talk about your drinking story before we get into
0: your sobriety story.
2: Okay, cool. So about myself, I am 37. I live in Utah. I've been here my whole life. I'll probably be here my whole life. Yeah. I'm a mom. I have two girls, ages they'll be turning 11 and seven this year in November and December. So good ages. Yeah. They're independent, like I'm past toddler and kid. Yes. Yes. But and they haven't hit the teenage years yet. So I'm just like soaking this time up so much because I know it's fleeting. I know. How is 11? Because my girls, my oldest is
1: I've eight, five, and then my boys three. So how's 11? Is 11 good?
2: She's Still good, but she got rid of all of her stuffed animals the other day. And we, me and oh. her dad were like, this is big. Like, this is big. Yeah, that's like a milestone that you don't think about. Yeah. So, I mean, no boys yet, you know, but yeah, it's all right around the corner. And, yeah. but she's fun. She's still very, they call it tween for a reason, right? Cause it's yeah. so that uh, push and pull.
0: <laughs> totally.
2: <laughs> yeah. Want to be a kid, still want to be older. I feel like even my eight year old has that
1: like, she's still trying to figure it out. I'm like, just don't rush it. You have so much time to be old.
2: You know what I mean? Like, just don't rush it. If we could tell, all, tell ourselves that, right? Like, probably at every age, like, stop trying to rush it. It goes so fast. Yeah, so fast. I know. So yeah, I'm a mom. Um, That's, you know, my big thing right now. When I got sober, I started a spray tanning company. So that's what I do. What? That's amazing. Yeah, that's my day job. I... I'm a mobile spray tan artist. <laughs> okay, I, I need that. I feel like we might have that that around
1: here. And I saw something like that the other day. And I was like, wait, I, I need that. That's perfect for moms, for busy moms. And there's yeah. something that a spray tan does, right? Like, it just makes us feel so
2: much better. If you're going to go to an event, you know, you got to show your legs when you're not used to showing them or whatever. Like, it's just, yeah, yeah it helps. It's fun. It's been fun to just kind of build something, you know, and that came with sobriety, but we can get into that later. (laughs) Okay, I'm
1: excited. So yes, before we talk about sobriety, let's talk about, we got to go back, talk about alcohol and your drinking past. What was that like? Oh my
2: gosh. (laughs) I know. This is always the part where we're like, okay, we got to gather ourselves. You do. You kind of like get into that. You go back into it and you're like, where do you even like, where do I even start? You know? Yeah. Um, Because for me, I grew up in a religious household. Okay. So are you LDS because you're in Utah? Is that? I was raised LDS. Yes. I'm not now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This is so interesting. I want to hear about this because I wasn't raised LDS and I only know about it through some research in the blogging world and in the influencing world. A lot of big influencers are LDS. And so that started me on this journey of like researching what it was and what they believe. And also, of course, the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Um, that Like, yeah. So how was that? Hard because I was told You know, by my church, by my parents, don't drink. That was part of the word of wisdom is what it's called, which is a set of rules that the members have for themselves regarding, you know, what they'll take into their body, like no smoking, no alcohol. Okay. No coffee even. You can't have hot beverages, right? It's convoluted. This is why I'm not in the church. (laughs) Um, You can have tea. You can have hot tea, but you can't have hot coffee. But you can have energy drinks. And soda. Okay, so a little bit of, it's a very confusing kind of thing. Okay, and Diet Coke tends to be big, right? It's my mother-in-law's favorite, and she is a very diehard member. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. I've, I've picked up on that. Like the Big Gulp, the Diet Coke, that LDS tends to love. I don't want to generalize, but I've just noticed Diet Coke is big. I know. Okay. Like,
2: it's what they can have, okay? So it's like, it's what's accepted in the religion as Coke. So caffeine in that way um is accepted. And so that's how they get their caffeine fix, which more power to them. <gasps> I, oh. I can go for it. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it's this word of wisdom that they they preach, you know, and that they it's no tattoos, no sex before marriage, different things. Okay.
1: I would have been kicked out Along, I'm about all of those things. I would. <laughs> yeah. You can see why I'm not a part of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. So, how was that like growing up under that set of rules? I tend to think, especially as a rebellious teenager, I, I think all teenagers have that mm-hmm. in them in, in, to rebel and question. I mean, that has to be extremely hard and also just such a source of shame when there's all of these rules that it's almost impossible to follow.
2: Right. And like, there's this all knowing God that sees you break all these if you break them. right? So like, oh, they're like, like you're scared to death of the judgment. Yeah. Who knows
1: what, but, um, oh God. And then are you in the outer darkness if you something like
2: that? Right. It's not like, I don't know if you've heard of the FLDS church where that's a little bit more okay, no. where they believe in like the polygamy, a lot more like uh, sect oriented. A lot of people probably would go into cultish behavior there. Okay. I'm not a part of that. It's a, it's a sect of the LDS religion where they still believe some of more the fundamental FLDS, the F stands for fundamental. Got it. So you're not like shunned, like where if you leave them, they like shun you. No, it's just, right. yeah, but I think some families maybe probably still do in a different way, just not like so outward and like the whole community does it. Yeah, there's a there's a, a spectrum, probably just like any religion. Yeah. If you go against what your family does. Yeah, there's levels of shame. Yeah, yeah. What was hard for me, okay, was my dad is a drug addict. Okay. Not like well known, but but I knew, the family knew. Um, and then also preaching, but they also drank on the weekends. They would have poker parties on the weekends. Gambling was also against the rules. Okay, so your family was in the
1: church and your parents were married. Yes. And yet you were seeing this happening. But they were breaking the rules. <laughs> we'll go to church and we'll preach all of this, but then we're going to break. Like, yes. Yeah,
2: okay. Very confusing. And church is boring, right? So I, it's not fun at church but you guys look like you're having hella fun at these poker parties and drinking. So I want to do that when I get older. Yeah, so like two extremes. When I think back, that's where it all kind of like, fuck this, excuse me, like I'm not doing, like that's not cool, you know?
1: You could swear.
2: I don't know what the protocol is for 20- But it's
1: also, it sounds like it's like, yeah, it's like two extremes. So it's like absolutely nothing. No even like hot caffeine, no alcohol, no this. And then yeah. like the extreme of like, Drugs and alcohol and gambling, right? Yeah.
2: So it was like one or the other. My young child, when I, you know, I've done all this therapy now in sobriety, I can go back to like my inner young child and be like, <laughs> yeah. "What was going on there?" And I really believe like that's where the turmoil started. Of like, well, I can clearly see what I would like, what I want. I'm going for fun, yeah, and I'm a rebel at heart. Like I even feel like a rebel being in sobriety nowadays. You know, I well, love it. Well, that's the thing. I it is, it. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I just knew that I wanted to do whatever anyone told me I couldn't. It's like, I'm gonna do that, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of where that really started. Um I but then, but I stayed good. I stayed good when I was under like my parents' roof, right? Because I was just like, that was me. I was a rule follower still, even though I wanted to be a rebel. Yeah, The rebels didn't accept me because like, for whatever reason, I don't know, a little tiny blonde girl not yeah, doesn't really right. look and, and goes to church every Sunday. And so I stayed good, but I feel blessed for that and lucky for that now because I think it probably saved me from some of the maybe harder core things that I might have decided to do with a younger brain that didn't think things through. Yeah. So like I'm actually really, really grateful for that now. As much as I resented it, I'm now like, okay, like it got me through high school. That you had that kind of
1: foundation mm-hmm. of not doing that. So during high school, you really didn't dabble into any of that. Yeah, I
2: had a really great group of peers, like that. I'm I'm still good friends with a couple of them today, like that are still in the faith, but just really non-judgmental, but just fun, good group of girlfriends, luckily. Um, so we just got through high school not uh. drinking. Yeah, <laughs> um, it was amazing. But I got married young, and me and my young husband started drinking. Okay, right away, like nineteen years old, like out of the out of the house, you know. And so that kind of started the path. It was like yes college days, but I was married young. I didn't go to college. So like our house was the party house because everyone had like these small dorms or like whatever. Yeah. We were the only ones that had a house where you could come back.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You guys were like the grownups. Yeah. Yeah. You were like the grownups and you were like, cool, now I can make
2: these decisions and I'm going toward the fun. Absolutely. And so that just kind of became the thing. It felt absolutely normal. Everyone around me was doing at my age. I actually felt like I was part of the cool crowd now because yeah, some of the kids from high school that I couldn't hang out with because I wasn't cool enough, you know, in the party scene. Now I was. Yeah, it just kind of, it really got going. And what actually ended up happening, unfortunately, was I ended up experiencing some flashbacks during that marriage from abuse when I was a child. Oh, okay. And so that young marriage fell apart because of that. Yeah. So like you can attribute that to alcohol, you know, but I'm I'm thankful for it because I had to do therapy around it, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But then the divorce was really where things spiraled because of the shame of a young, you know, the shame of a divorce in a religious community is also another. Right. So I guess we're not supposed to call it Mormonism, are we? They've changed it. But I mean, how can you how can you keep up with it all?
1: I know. I know. Yeah, because in that religion, it is about family is first, right? And a woman's role is to be in the home and take care of her family. And it's all about like pleasing your husband and having kids, right? Uh, Yeah,
2: I would say so. I would say that's spot on. I don't know that baby everyone in the church would feel that way, but that's what I see as a person that was in it. And as an outsider, I think you got it. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Okay. Yes. Cause I'm totally an outsider and I, this is not a judgment on LDS, but it's a little, it's just from an outsider looking in, it feels very like it's a lot of pressure. on. Uh,
2: It's a lot of patriarchy, right? I feel like there's a lot of, a, a lot of focus on a patriarchy and like a, A system of patriarchy, and I have a hard time with that, like the rigidity and even like the dogma of it. Yes, I could, like, we could have a whole discussion on religion, but
1: (laughs) right, I know that's like a whole other podcast. Well, yeah, but I can understand then the shame that you felt, like in this quote unquote failure. When your marriage fell apart. Yeah. And that's a lot. Like, you're young. How old are you at that point? Barely 21. Oh, my God. Like, I, I can't even imagine how to process that at such a young age When how with how you've grown up.
2: Yeah, it was. It was a lot of, I mean, that was the spiral. I think that was the very first spiral of stop. I I wasn't going to feel the shame, right? I was not going to feel those emissions. I would, yeah, those feelings that I felt as a child in the religion, I was not going to feel those things when I became an adult, even though it was based around a different thing, maybe, right? That feeling of shame was something I was just really desperate to not feel. And that's when I really think I started coping with alcohol to not feel my feelings. I mean, that makes complete sense. Yeah. Like, why Why wouldn't you at that point?
1: You know, because the feelings of shame are, I mean, oh, God, they're soul crushing. It's the ickiest feeling. Like, in, Yeah. It is. And so
2: you turned to alcohol. And how did that go? It's weird because the longer I'm sober now, I'm two plus years sober. It's so funny the things you find out in, rec- in recovery that you, you know, thought were one thing and they turn out to be completely different. But I thought I was hiding it really well for a really long time. Yeah. So I moved back home after that divorce and I was in the restaurant industry, the service industry, which if anyone knows is a cesspool for drinking and like addiction and all of that, right? Substance use. So that was, it helped amplify my drinking. It gave me a schedule where I could drink because I could sleep until three, go to work, party all night, sleep go to work party all night. Yeah, it became a habit. I didn't I felt like all the people my age around me were doing it because at the time, I didn't know I was coping. I just thought that I was partying. I just thought I was living my life. Totally.
1: Well, and you're in your 20s, right? Like I Yeah, I can relate to that in my 20s. I didn't even know what my issues
0: were.
2: Yeah, I didn't know they were issues Like I had. I thought I was great. I thought it was the life of the party. Yeah, So fun. <laughs> <laughs> totally like and that's generally, the goal of your
1: 20s is to have fun. Mm -hmm. Like the goal of your 20s is not to like soul search and figure out what the hell, you know what I mean? Like that just was not my goal. I don't know anybody's. You get there and you're like, oh, I'm 20. I know me. Yeah, I'm an adult. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, you
2: don't. No, (laughs) you don't know. Sorry to break it to you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So like, I just thought that I was, that's, you know, I didn't realize I had a problem at all. I. Yeah. And I wasn't hiding it in the beginning. I wasn't daily drinking. I was just doing it like everyone else was doing it. But it was, when I look at it now, it was insane.
1: Well, it's when you're around, when you're in that community, when you're around people who are doing the same thing you are, it doesn't feel weird. Yeah. It doesn't feel different. It feels like, of course, we're doing this. This is our lifestyle and it's fun and it's great until it's not.
2: That's how it had to stop for me is I had to get to the point where it wasn't fun anymore. But again, that's like years and years, right? So, yeah. Right. So I met my current husband really quick. Actually, after I, I got divorced, I met him really young. I moved in with him when I was twenty-two. My current husband today, that I st- that I am married to now. You moved in with him right away. Oh wow. I okay. Know. How how was that? <laughs> how did we, how are we still together? I don't know. I know. That's I mean that's amazing. And was he LDS too? Grew up LDS, but when we got together, we were both drinking. We met at the bars. He picked me up at the bottom of a flight of stairs. That's how he met me. Okay. Yep. Got it. Yeah. Yep. Um, Our life was centered around partying. You know, that was... That's what we did. So that didn't seem abnormal. Yeah. But yeah, he was a good kid too. He didn't really start experimenting with that stuff till he was like 18. So we had very similar stories, but he also never drank like I did. Yeah. And we realized, you know, when I became sober that he only ever drank as much as he did to deal with me drinking as much as I did. Wow. Like it was never like about the alcohol for him. It was just like dealing with my ass. Holy crap. Because now he can take it or leave it. He'll have two sips of a beer. And I'm like, why do you even open? It's still to the same, like, what's the point? (laughs) Right. So he he didn't know how much I was drinking from the very beginning, he didn't know that I was pre-partying at my house, driving to his house, thinking I was sober, right? Stuff like that. Yeah. So from the very get-go, I was I was hiding it. And so from the very get-go, drinking equaled shame for you. That's a good question, actually.
1: I know. It just struck me if you're
2: hiding it already then. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it must have been. <laughs> Sorry, I'm like process, like processing this because... For me, I felt like it was more like, yeah, I didn't want him to know that. What is that? That's shame. Of course. How could he understand that I needed as much as I did to get to the level that I would want to be at? Right. Right. At such a young age, too. And such a little person. How could I put that much in and still be at this level of consciousness? So I was like really pulling the wool over his eyes for like majorly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, it just all makes sense. Like this drinking for you was rooted in shame because of how you grew up and how you can't hear for your entire childhood and growing <laughs> yeah. up that this is against God's will and God's plan for you. And that this is the, what is it? Words of wisdom? Yes. Or what is yeah, it? The word of wisdom. <laughs> mm-hmm. Is it words of wisdom <laughs> that you can't, this is, you know, forbidden, uh-huh. like I just don't know how you can hear that your whole childhood and growing up and not look at that and feel shame. And so maybe part of it is drinking to deal with your drinking, right?
2: Yeah, it's 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 stacked on top, right? It just stacks. Absolutely. Yeah, you got it. (laughs) Yeah, no, it just makes total sense.
1: So you guys partied together. So then
2: how did that go over the years? Yeah, so he didn't know because we partied so much together that he couldn't distinguish. And he met me had a personality that was basically always somewhat buzzed. Like I just always had somewhat of a buzz going on. So yeah, he didn't really know the real me and that played into fears later. But anyway, so we got married in 2009. When I was 24, we'd been together for two years. And then right before our one year anniversary, I got a letter from my sister saying, I am worried about you. Like, okay, she knew something was going on. Yeah, I thought I had been hiding it. Well, but That letter actually was the first time I was able to like kind of say, "Okay, I have a problem. Mm. And I admitted it to my husband and I went to rehab. Okay, so that letter didn't
1: cause you to put your walls up and put your spine up and be like, what are you talking about? It really was able to hit you where she wanted to in your heart of. And then look at your drinking. So
2: that's like three years from like when I met my current husband to like when I got that letter about. So, I mean, there's there's some things that happen, you know, yeah. family trauma. My mom got divorced, uh, you know, like just some some more trauma stuff going on. Yeah. That I think. And yeah, I was partying harder I was starting to black out. I think that she, I was saying things in a drunken state that was worrying her that I was not remembering. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that it was like the letter hit home and I was like, shit, like I'm found out. Okay. Yeah. And so it was like more like, okay, I'm going to go to rehab to get better so that I can drink again. That was where my head was at that. So kind of like to reset. Okay. I'm an alcoholic, but I'm not really an alcoholic. I'm just going to go get better and figure out how to cope with, whatever. So I was like, okay, so I'm using alcohol to cope with all my stuff. So I'm going to go to rehab, learn how to cope in a different way with all my stuff. And then I'll be able to drink like a normal person. That was my idea. Totally. So you won't use alcohol to cope. You'll just use it for fun. Bingo. Got it. I got the plan. Yeah, I went to rehab. I graduated rehab. I'm an achiever. I like if I'm gonna go do something, I'm going to graduate, you know? Yeah. How was rehab for you? What was it good? Was rehab good? A rehab was a shit show. Okay. Because I went to a rehab that was like under legal scrutiny. <laughs> I felt like after I graduated and they were shut down. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. I'm glad I did it because I needed it at the time. I needed 90 days away from alcohol to actually do have a reset, right? Yeah. I did get some good therapy there. I had some good therapists, but like... Not, not <laughs> the best. Not <laughs> <It wasn't laughs> the best. <maybe. laughs> I graduated. I did ninety days. You did, well. uh, yeah, and I remained sober for twenty two months after that. That's amazing. And I had a baby during that time, so I mean, that was that was cool. After you know, I was able to do that, but that also convinced me I was cured. Like, yeah, right. Twenty two months of sobriety, graduated rehab, therapy. I really, really thought like, oh, okay, like for sure, I can do this now. Yeah. Like that was in your past.
1: Yeah. No more. You're not. That was just your 20s partying past. And now we're gone. We're
2: done with that. I'm a mom. I have to take care of this kid. I'm not going to let myself get to a place like that. Like that's definitely not going to happen. Like, it's definitely not the alcohol. But yeah, it was all the other stuff that happened to me. And now I'm better. Yes, I truly, truly. That's where I was. Yeah, Yeah. no, I
1: I get it. Yeah, yeah. You're not alone in that. I think there are many, many moms listening to this who have been there or who are there now. Yeah. Thinking like, no, I can moderate this highly addictive substance.
2: It's not, it's not the alcohol. It's me. Yeah. And they're going to try because, because they're not me and they have to know for themselves. Right. Yes. (laughs) And I like I had to know for me, no one was going to tell me any different because I wanted my alcohol, and I was going to figure out a way to get back to it. And so you did. So you had your first baby. Okay, you went
1: back to it. Was and the goal was to moderate and just be like, let's just work this into life. Yes, we're not going back there. Absolutely.
2: What happened? I think I did okay for a minute. Uh, You know, having to wake up, my baby was seven months old. I was up. Yeah, it was a different lifestyle alcohol didn't fit in the picture the same way that it did before. I was like, right. So for a few years, I think it was okay. But then, you know, it's progressive. It doesn't matter. Um, Yeah, I started to use it to deal with the parenting woes to deal with the sleepless nights. And so then Mm -hmm. I had another baby, you know, because so like I was doing okay. And then yeah, I had another baby and then uh, two babies. It's hard. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's freaking like, yeah. And I, I suffered with undiagnosed postpartum depression. Ugh. Yeah. For so long that, that I thought was the alcohol. So I was using the alcohol to cope with the depression that I was feeling to be a mom, just to be a mom, just to get out of bed. You know? Yes. I spiraled from 2011, had my second one in 2015. And then in 2019, I was running away from the house. I was Mm. uh, running to the busiest street almost every night, threatening to throw myself in front of a car. My husband was scared to death. Like it was, I I had spiraled. That's a long time. Like you have to understand this is a really long time, 2011 to 2019, eight years. But this is where I got to, okay? Yeah. With that postpartum depression, not being treated, uh, continuing to drink, spiraling, just hiding alcohol, always having alcohol hidden. Waking up, drinking, putting it in my coffee to suicidal to, to a suicidal place. So I ended up in the behavioral health unit against my will. Okay. Wake up call for sure. Yeah. Didn't want to be there. By the end of the time I was ready to be home. I was not suicidal anymore. I was ready to be sober. Felt good. And so you had tied that, you
1: wake up in the unit and you tied alcohol to this in your mind. Finally
2: tied alcohol. Okay, yes, yes. And over these nine years, you also have, to, like I did have these bouts of sobriety of people telling me, you need to stop. And I would stop for thir- thir- three months, yeah. 30 days, six months. And they'd be like, look, I'm fine. And I would always have a justification and a reason to come back or whatever it was. So yeah, okay. this is a short podcast. I had to skip through, yeah, yeah. So, through so much. But I mean, I think
1: that's important to note it's not just this, like, you know, spiral crash landing into this place. It's it's a, it's a break from alcohol and then feeling great and then trying to moderate. Mm-hmm. Moderating for Different a little. Rules. And then drinking.
2: Yeah. What would some of your rules be? Like, what would your moderating rules be? My husband brought up this one the other day because it just kills him. Because he's like, do you remember the time when I was like, can we just please wait until 7 p.m.? And I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know? And he's like, and by the next fucking weekend you'd be like it's 5 p.m and you're home from work so like (laughs) can you just start now because you're home and it's like when I said seven I meant five yeah because you're here (laughs) like you're back we're together let's go why do I have to wait two hours so
1: stupid I've heard like all and I get it it's like well okay no hard liquor because that's like really alcohol but like let's just do wine because that's just alcohol ish you know which is not true because that's alcohol too and it's like, well, wine, maybe Mil- not champagne. It's the bubbles. The <laughs> yeah. bubbles give me a headache.
2: Not red, white. Yeah,
1: yeah. Not red. Red gives me a headache. Let's do white. Well, let me try this organic, just the organic wine. It's the something's going on with it. The- I'm like, you guys, it's just the ethanol. That's all it
2: is, is the ethanol. Always breaks down to ethanol. Every yeah. single fucking Every time.
0: time. <laughs> so true.
1: But I think that story is very relatable of, you know, it's those in-between times. You convince yourself you're better. Yeah. And you convince yourself that you can moderate. Mm -hmm. And because you do sometimes. Because moderation, it's not impossible all the time. Whenever I ask somebody, like, how their moderation went... It's always, and I want to say like 100% of the time, the answer is it was great. I did great (laughs) at At first, first, you know, and it's always like at first it was great. And I'm like, yeah, of course, because you can, you know, that's willpower, but like willpower runs out. Mm -hmm. And like, then it's just that you're in a battle with a highly addictive substance that you're ingesting more and more. You're just not going to win that battle. I don't mean like you're not going to get out of it because you can get out of it. You could take yourself out of that battle. You could decide not to fight that battle. Mm -hmm. But like to moderate that, I
2: mean. It's harder to, it's harder to moderate. It's
1: harder to moderate than to be done with the battle and take yourself out of the war
2: and say, I am no longer going to fight you. Like, fine. That's where the freedom really comes. Like, yes. And I, if I had that, whatever that is for each individual person, because it's not the same for each individual person. I would be a multi-billionaire. Yeah. What is that? Now you know it's time for you. What is, when is the time for you? So, uh, Right. <laughs> and it is. Okay. So you, 72-hour hold, what happened? Yeah, yeah, right. Okay, so this is kind of an important part of this story. <laughs> I know. I'm very
1: invested in this story. This is a great, okay.
2: So... We actually are in the middle of kind of a we were had planned a move at this time, so it was actually a really good time for me to be sober to help with this move um and also I needed it was a good yeah good for me to have a change of scenery, change of living environment, like a fresh start. yeah a reset and so we moved to this house where I'm at currently, and so that was in August. I stayed sober through the holidays of two thousand and nineteen good that's hard holidays
1: this is coming out in the in, you know time for the holidays, like holidays can be triggering for a lot of people. Super hard. Yeah, that's hard. But you know
2: what? I'm an alcoholic, so I thought I was cured again. Yeah. So I did. I relapsed again on January 1st, 2020. New Year's Eve. I wanted to drink on New Year's Eve. Wait, wait, wait. So December 31st or January 1st? December 31st, 2019. Okay. I was like, what? I'm like, wait. I'm like, you got through to New Year's Eve? I I get that right. Okay. So I I drank... I relapsed then Um, and I just thought, okay, I'm better. I don't know. It's the same. I'm better again. Same. I'm better again. Yeah. So then what happened was COVID hit. Yes. April of 2020 was the lockdown. My husband went out and bought probably 40 bottles of Captain Morgan. They were gone in 30 days. Wow. Okay. So that's how fast I spiraled, right? From December 31st to April, four months. Yeah. To more than a bottle a day. We're in lockdown. So of course, all the justification, my husband's even day drinking, right? But he doesn't know that I also have shit hidden and that I'm, you know, drinking more than him. Yeah. Still, you know, after all this time, all these years, he doesn't know how much I'm hiding it. He doesn't find all this out until sobriety. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm I'm in a desperate place. I've gone to the ER twice because of drinking in the height of COVID, in the height of the lockdown. That's really, really scary. Okay. Yeah. So then Cinco de Mayo is May 5th. I ended a three-day bender that night. Okay. So May 6th, 2020, I woke up ill, you know, just as ill as I always was when I was hungover, which was almost constantly, but like, I probably needed to go to the hospital again. So, you know, another ER visit, another five grand out of my pocket, right? Yeah. Something happened. I I, I don't know how to explain it. People call it a click. People call it a whoosh. People call it a realization. People call it... Fucking, I don't know. I'm just, I'm fucking powerless. Like it just, it, you get there. Yeah. It's there. You do. It, you're like, oh, oh, okay. I'm done. I am. I'm done. I'm done. Yes. That was it. I was like, okay, I'm an alcoholic. I'm done. And that was it. That was the last day. Like that was my acceptance point. Yeah. So I haven't drink since there. May 6th, 2020 was my, is my sobriety date. Wow.
0: <laughs> wow.
2: Okay.
1: <laughs> okay. So what did you do May 7th? So May 6th, you were done. Good
2: question, yeah.
1: Yeah. what did you do May 7th?
2: Gosh, I I was really sick. I don't think I did much. I think I was curled in a ball, sweating and shaking and desperate and just trying to get through the day. Yeah. Yeah, because that first day... I was in withdrawal so bad that I was shaking still on day 20. I still couldn't write my name. I still couldn't put mascara on on day 20. So that's how severe my withdrawal was. Wow. In my brain, I was starting to think of every single possible thing that I could do to stay sober. That's what I was doing. I was like, okay, I need to get a psychiatrist. I need to get a therapist. I need to get into an outpatient program. I need to get back into AA. I need to find a community. Like I, I everything I need to, I need quit. I think I was on Amazon. I need all the quit. I was yeah, like, literally I'm the type of person, like once I am in, I am all in. And I'm like, I told you with the rehab, yes. like, I'm going to do it. Like once I've decided, once I've made that decision, I'm clear on it. it's like, oh my God, you can't stop me <laughs> like this. Yeah. Yeah. You were determined because you were done. Because I had finally made the decision for myself. No one else had told me, go to rehab. You you have a problem. right? And it was not for anyone else this time. It was for me and I knew it and I knew I was done and it was different this time. And so I knew I needed the tools because I was also not going to live this life miserable because I thought that alcohol was the only thing making my life fun. Right. Too, still. So like... Oh, shit. So I have to get rid of the only thing that makes my life worth living. Right. So like, I better figure this
1: out. (laughs) I just. Yeah, the thing that is killing me does feel like the
2: only thing that makes your life fun and worth living. Yes. Still, even though I knew I was done, I still felt like I was letting go of the one thing that was helping me survive.
1: Yeah, you believed that lie because we're all tricked. We're all tricked by it. Mm Mm-hmm. Did you then go to AA or how does AA fit into your journey?
2: Yeah, so I already had a therapist that I'd been working with since the suicidal ideations, which I'm actually really grateful for because she kind of saw me through that relapse. And then I got got real honest with her. I told her, you know, I was like, okay, I admit it. I fully accept it. And then we were really able to start working on more in-depth stuff too. Yeah. So that helped. I got honest with her. I got a psychologist because I needed to get on meds for depression, anxiety, some of those things that I was really using alcohol to cope with that I couldn't get out of on my own. So I was on all those meds for about 15 months. I like to say that because I like people to know that that's okay and that also it's possible to get off of them. Totally. I've been on it for like almost seven years and I'm almost off
1: of it and I'm like terrified. And if you don't ever get off, that's okay too. Like whatever you need. Yes, whatever you need to be okay. And that's the thing. I always say like if alcohol helped anxiety... Like, I'd be like, okay, yeah, that's in your toolbox. It doesn't. Mm. Not only does it help anxiety, it makes it so much fucking worse. Like, so it's causing anxiety. Yes. Like,
2: it makes it so much worse. People don't believe it. And you, it's hard to believe until you're out of it. And you have to be out of it for a while. Exactly. Like, you need about 30 you days to get back to baseline. And so, like, you don't even know the benefits of it for a minute. So you're like, this is bullshit. This is bullshit. I just want my alcohol. I just want my alcohol. Yes, even longer than 30 days. Like sometimes it, it takes as
1: long as it takes. You will totally get there. Yeah, you just have to find your
2: feet. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I needed craving medication too, because that was the thing that kept on getting me. Like I felt like all the prior times, like it's hard to explain, but I just finally was like, you know, what? I need a craving blocker. Like I really want that assistance. Yeah. And so I, I took it. Like, good. I'm, I'm taking that assistance. So I did the Vivitrol shot monthly. For about 14 months, too. And that was really just freaking nice to not have cravings for alcohol, to not have that. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I still didn't leave the house for a year. COVID helped. But I think even if I wasn't in COVID, I wouldn't have left the house for a year because I just needed to not be around anything. Yeah. But I like what you just said that you didn't leave the house for a year. Like, the idea that,
1: like we have to test ourselves in new sobriety to see if we can like, no, oh.
2: that's bullshit. So spit all over the place. <laughs> and you're not here for me to spit on your face, just my screens. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you
1: don't like say, say no, like say no, you don't have to go. It's okay. Because
2: you will be able to go
1: next year when you feel stronger. Yes. If you take the time to nurture your sobriety, you'll be able to go. Now, I love going to parties where everyone's drinking because it's so easy for me to romanticize alcohol when I'm not around it. <laughs> Dude, give me a front row seat to alcohol. And I'm like, oh, my yeah, God, I remember. you're. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you're awful. Alcohol is awful. But I mean, that's almost three years
2: in. You know, it, it takes a while. So just say no. Just hold up. It's true. Give yourself grace. And people that don't understand, then don't, they don't need to understand. And the people that need to understand will. totally. You need to protect that sobriety, like, like a tiny little infant, like you would an infant for the first year, like, let it grow, let it, let it get stronger because then you can take it out into the world and let it survive.
1: I love that. Yeah. Nurture yourself, take care of yourself. And so what's been the most surprising thing about sobriety for you?
2: Early sobriety versus now it's different.
1: Okay, what about in early sobriety? What surprised you most in early sobriety?
2: So earlier sobriety, it surprised me just how much myself I actually was still. Like, I thought that alcohol was making me fun. I thought that alcohol was making me crazy. Mm. I thought that alcohol was making me the wild, you know, fun, like be out there or whatever. But like, I could still do that sober in the right environment and in the right feeling safe enough to do it and just wanting to because I authentically wanted to, not because I had this substance artificially motivating me to. Oh, I love that. Yeah, alcohol wasn't making you better. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed that. I was on a 4th of July parade. So May, June, July, two months sober. And I was like, just dancing. And like with the audience, I was like, holy fuck, I'm sober. Like I thought that to myself. I was like, I'm sober. And I'm like, I didn't think I could do this. Yes. I thought I only could do this with alcohol. And like, I like literally was like, oh my God, I'm okay. (laughs) Yes. That's so funny. I have this vivid
1: memory of my first sober New Year's Eve. And it was this, we had a dance party with our kids. We were dancing to like One Direction on the coffee table. My eight-year-old and me, she was maybe, no, six at the time. Yeah. And it was just like letting go and just dancing with joy and everything. And I thought to myself, God, if I had even had one glass of wine, this moment would be more rooted in shame Yeah, because it would be like, Oh, how could you let yourself, you know, like it would have colored everything for me.
2: It would have been too crazy. It would have been you're being too crazy and wild because you're on you're on you're drinking instead of just authentic, fun, yeah, happy mom. Right. It would have been me
1: judging. Right. Instead, it was just this very innocent, joyful experience that I will remember forever.
2: And I oh I love that.
1: Yeah, I do too.
2: And uh, yeah, and those things like those happen, they happen, and you're like, Oh, I can do this. Those are like the keep the pushes to keep you going through it too. Cause like, it feels so hard, you know, 60, 60 something days in feeling. So like, this is hard, hard, hard. And then it's like, oh my God, I just did this. So it gives you like motivation. I can keep going. Okay. Next thing. Like. It propels you. It, it
1: really does. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. What surprises you most now in your sobriety?
2: So this isn't as fun of an answer, but... That's okay. It's honest because I'm honest. And that's, that's I think, key about sobriety too, is staying honest. That life does go on and that life does get hard still. Yeah, because I thought like when I was sober, like you do live in that pink cloud for a while. And like you do like you propel on these big, big, good moments and milestones and like you're just you feel good. Yeah. You're like, I am sober. I am running my shit. I am actually living life. Yeah. And you feel good about it. And like you get momentum and then you're like, oh, like, oh god, yeah, wait, wait. Totally shit still happens. And it could be anything. Right. So many things so um, like, yeah. God, it's going to make me cry because it's not a bad thing, but it's also realizing that I, I, I can get through it. Like I still like, yes. and a drink isn't going to solve it or make it better. No. Right. And that takes a minute to get to because like for the first year, two years, you're like I'll take a drink. I'll just go take a drink. I like, got still like my first thing. Like, oh, let me just go take a drink. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, out of habit. Very first instinct. So it takes like to like two plus years for me till I was like, but a drink won't solve it. Okay damn it, what am I going to (laughs) do? Like Now I need something. So yeah.
1: So what are those some things? Like what's in your toolbox when like shit gets hard and life still happens? Life is still going on. Like, what do you turn to now?
2: Therapy is so underrated. I'm I still have my same therapist. You know, I was meeting her. I was meeting with her twice a week to now like maybe every once every two months. Yeah. But I'm so grateful to still have her and like that I can call on her kind of like when I need her when something does pop up. Just so that I have someone to bounce stuff off of. Yeah, I feel like when I just say it out loud, no matter how hard it is, that's the that's the best way for me to process things. Is just like puke it, Ugh. word vomit it. Totally, there's a, such a release.
1: Yeah, we have, especially as moms, like we have to absorb so much shit all day long from our kids, from like the house. Like we have to take all of that shit on that. Mm-hmm. There's no room for art shit to come out during the day. You know what I mean? Like our kids don't care, nor should they about like our emotional, what we're going through at the time. I mean, yeah, sure. Empathy and all of that, but they're not there to take
2: care of us. And so, yeah, we need that. Or our spouses or our significant others. Like you so only so much, you know, you can't put everything. And what if it is your significant other? Like, who do you talk to about that? Like, yeah, totally. And they have their own biased opinions. So like
1: you need someone to go to
2: if therapy isn't an option, a a sponsor, finding a mentor, a counselor, there's coaches that are well-priced. Yes. Something like that. Just someone that can support you in your sobriety and and, and your feelings, like lift you, right? Like help lift you and validate uh, how you feel.
1: Even like a good friend, like a good friend you trust who is not gonna judge you. Mm -hmm. Like just to have someone listen, like sometimes I don't even need like, I don't even need someone to say anything. I don't need like advice. I don't need, I just need someone to listen to me vent and cry. And like Mm -hmm. that's, and then just be like, okay. And then give me a hug. Then I'm like, cool. I feel so much better. (laughs) So community. So if
2: it's not therapy, find community that you can just like, Oh my God. Yeah. So you asked about AA earlier. That's right. So like In the beginning, I did AA for five months religiously, like religiously. I just needed community. I needed to be around people that knew what I was going through. I needed the stories. But then AA just just didn't kind of fit for me anymore. Some of the dogma, some of the rigidity. Yeah. No, nothing against it. My belief is whatever works for you works for you. Do what works for you. Totally. Yes. So I took a step back from AA and that's when I found Sober Instagram. And that was the community that worked for me because I was able to just kind of put out there my own experiences and people related to it. And it was nice to know that people related and I didn't feel alone. Yeah. So that is the other thing that really I always suggest to people when they ask is like, find community. There's Facebook groups. There's so, I mean, it's so many. Yes. You know,
1: there's, <laughs> yeah, Yeah, it, it really is like a tool now. I'm just looking up yours. Okay, so you're at Shay Sober. I love all of the, you post a lot of these like quick little bites that you can read like little memes. (laughs) They're just really inspiring. Thank you. Yeah. Alcohol was suffocating my soul. Like, yes. Yeah. Thanks. Oh, this. Okay. This. I saw this one earlier. There's something about being around a bunch of drunk people and having no desire to join them that
2: gets me every time. Every time. Every time. Mm, Yes. Three years ago, you couldn't have paid me enough money to believe that. Like, and so I want people to know like. yeah. Right that's possible. Yes, it is. It's so possible. It's,
1: it feels impossible. It's, it's not, it's not.
2: And you get there and you're like, I'm so glad I'm not you. (laughs) It's so funny. That's the thing. (laughs) You're like, I'm having the time of my life. And I know that you think you are. I know that you think you are. So we can have fun together because I know you, I'm going like, to meet you where you're at and we're going to, we can have fun together. But like, yeah, I also have a one on there, but because like what used to be jealousy is like now kind of pity, like, and I like, I'm not pitying people. I'm not going around oh pity you. Like, well, I'm not that like, uh, no, no, not, no, not me. Not judging anyone. Nothing like that. But it's just like, no, no, no. That's not the vibe you give off. Yeah. I just wish you could feel like. Me, like, I just wish you could feel like the the authenticness on this side, too, that it's I don't know. Yeah, well, it is. That's like the whole point of this podcast. I'm like, I just want like, I don't think everybody knows this. I just want everyone to know all of these things. It feels like a secret because we've been fed this lie since we were t- advertising. Yes. On, you know, commercial, every TV show, every movie is, is glamorized that this is the fun. This is the party. This is how you have fun. How would we know any different? Right. Especially
1: when all of us, I would say, at least the majority of us started drinking in our, you know, late
2: teens. I mean, our brains weren't even formed. I knew how to have fun in high school. And that was the thing when I got to alcohol, like to the point where I knew alcohol was a problem. I was like, how come I can't have fun like I did in high school? Like, why (laughs) can't I do that? You know, you can, you just have to be sober. Who knew? Yeah, exactly. Now you can.
1: And it's like real fun. Yeah. Shay, I just I love you so much. I love your vibe, your energy. Oh, oh I love you too. Thank you. I'm so glad we did this. I'm so glad we got to meet over uh, the podcast. Yeah, this has been fun. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm going to put all of your so
2: Shay Sober is where they can go and follow you anything else? Any like other you know, I I've kind of taken a step back as far as like sober support or anything. I'm just on Instagram right now because life happens. Yeah, that's good. You know, I'm, my my kids are getting older. I'm really trying to be there for them. I'm still really trying to figure out what path I want to take in life. You don't need to do anything else. You're doing enough with all the stuff. Thank you. Instagram. If anyone, you know, ever has any questions, they're welcome to DM me. I try to I try to stay on there and um, as long as people are polite and respectful, and it's about sobriety. Yeah. If you're not, then you're being blocked. <laughs> just, you know how it can get sometimes on there. Yeah. But um, yeah, if you have a serious question about sobriety, I and I can help you. Happy to chat with you. Yeah. I, yeah. I just try to let people know that, uh, that it's cool on this side of the bottle. It's it's a cool life. It's totally cool. And you guys, we are cool. Okay. <laughs>
1: sobriety <laughs> is cool. Sobriety is rebellious, and we are cool. <laughs> Hell Yay! yeah! Hell yeah! <laughs> Thank you, Shay. Thank you, Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Sober Mom Life. If you loved it, please rate and review it wherever you listen. Five stars is amazing. Also, follow me on Instagram at The Sober Mom Life. Okay, I'll see you next week. I'm going to go reheat my coffee. Bye.
2: Why are we doing an ad again?
0: So that we can tell people about brand new
1: information, a pop culture and political podcast.
2: Say it in a way that doesn't sound like game show host.
1: Okay. Do you want to be in a room of overeducated douchebags and feel comfortable? Brand new information is for you.
2: What's it going to take to put you in this podcast today? We have brand new information on sale for free. Free. Wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Yeah, we might not break the political and pop culture news of
0: the week
2: but we put it right back together for you.
0: That's right. Listen, wherever you find your favorite podcasts.
1: Oh, hey, it's Erin. And I'm Michaela, And we're the hosts of the Two Sober Girls podcast. And we are on a mission to spill the wild truth about sobriety. Forget the rosé all day cliche. Sobriety is flipping amazing. Absolutely. It's not just about quitting the drink. It's a gift you give yourself and your loved ones. So what are you waiting for? Break up with that old toxic relationship with alcohol and let us show you the possibilities. And here's the thing, everything your precious heart desires becomes way easier without the influence of alcohol. We're not just two sober girls, we're also wellness coaches. We're here to show you how to optimize health, lifestyle, and beauty, feel sexy and alive as F. So stay tuned because we're rolling out new episodes every Monday, wherever you get your podcasts and trust us, they have your name written all over them. We can't wait to share the magic of sobriety and wellness with you. Subscribe to Two Sober Girls podcast today and come follow us on Instagram for behind the scenes action and send us a DM. We can't wait to meet you.